Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today, I wanted to talk about learning, and about learning in a professional context. Um, and in a weird way, it's learning when you're fairly established in a career and in a skill set. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because of some struggles I've been having recently as I've been trying to learn Swift. So ever since Swift 3 was announced at WWDC, um, it's been something that I've been had in the back of my mind that, okay, now is finally the time that I need to learn this, that from for you know career and professional development reasons, like I can't just keep writing Objective-C, even though I'm most comfortable with that, even though I know how everything works there, even though I may even have some reservations about the way Swift works, that ultimately, if I want to continue to make a living on this platform, I'm going to need to learn Swift. And so I need to try and do that. But the mechanics of actually learning something new, it turns out, not perhaps unsurprisingly, is kind of difficult. Um, and it's not, you know, learning Swift, I've found for myself, isn't like, oh, it's, you know, Objective-C just dressed up differently. It's fundamentally a very different approach um, to development. And and this is the part where I kind of have a brief uh, digression into talking about my feelings. And I know there's a better show on Relay FM if you wanted to hear about feelings, but we're going <laughs> to have to borrow that for a moment. What I found as I've been learning Swift is I kind of feel really stupid. And that really is a rough way to feel um, in a professional context where I look at something that, you know, in general, I would say that I am a advanced iOS developer. You know, if you have, if you've ever flipped over the back of like a programming book and they'll have that little like gauge on the back where it's like, this is for beginners. This is intermediate. This is advanced. It's like, I would say that I'm an advanced developer. I've been doing this for eight years professionally, full time. I've built, you know, some apps that have some very wide audiences. Like I'm pretty good at this. And that confidence is really a complicated thing when that then gets broken by trying to learn something that seems like superficially it should be doable it should be easy it should be something that kind of just i can pick up but what i've found with swift as i've tried to learn it is that it hasn't that i end up feeling kind of stupid and i read these blog posts with titles like i pulled up a couple of ones that recently just like hurt my head where it was enum raw values and failable initializers (laughs) or optional non-escaping closures and I read those and it makes me think of like, if you've ever set like read the, uh, the title of PhD theses and you kind of look at this thing that looks completely foreign and looks completely, uh, abstract to you. And I look at it and it's like, but I should understand what this is. Like I'm a professional programmer. Like I have a degree, I have a degree in computer science. I have a master's degree in software engineering. I've been programming for professionally for something like 26 years like, why don't I understand this? And I've been struggling as I've been doing that with reconciling that feeling of, like, I feel, and the best word I have for it is I feel stupid. Like, I feel like, oh, why can't I get this? Um, and what I kind of wanted to unpack on this show is talk a little bit about just in general, learning things that are difficult. And I also feel like whenever I've encountered these kinds of struggles in, in my own professional career, and I've had a venue like a podcast to talk about them, it's always been the 
encouraging both for myself to kind of just like get it out and put it to the side that I don't have to feel like, oh, I feel almost not like ashamed, but I feel bad that I'm not able to do this. And then I always get feedback from people who say like, I feel the same way. Thank you for saying that. And so that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up. And then hopefully towards the end, we can talk a little bit about strategies for working through it. But learning is tough. And I think especially as I get older in my career, um, you know, it's like the old dog's new tricks, maybe kind of a thing, but it gets hard to have that fresh mind to be a student still. I mean, I haven't been, um, you know, in an academic environment for something like 10 years now. Um, so whenever I have to sit down and be like, okay, let me open up the Swift programming language guide in iBooks and try and read it and learn from it. Like that's an experience that is kind of intimidating. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, in in the case of Swift in particular, it really kind of is, is exacerbated by the problem that Swift is a very complex language and that it has a lot of very advanced features, like from a language design perspective. And, like, you know, the kind of posts you're reading about, like, th- these are really about the evolution of, of the language. And these are by people who are themselves language design nerds and the, the highest level of language design nerd that is working on like swift this like cutting edge new language that has really advanced and complicated design uh like if you think about other languages that that you know you know i I know you use ruby uh for web stuff i use php for web stuff and we both know objective c there really is not this kind of open discussion in the world about ongoing substantial changes to objective c uh, and and so we we really haven't needed to participate in that. Like Objective C did most of its maturing, and you know with some exceptions, but it did most of its design and maturing before we were using it. So we just got to come up and just learn this language. And there's lots of really weird things about it that really just don't really come up in practice, or that you just kind of pick it picked up over time, and it's not it isn't very intimidating as a result. Um, so, you know, same thing like with PHP and Ruby for me at least. Like I started using PHP when you know mostly. It's somewhat in version four, most most of my PHP experiences was with, with, with PHP five and above, and and that makes it, of course, a lot easier p- to lose a lot of a lot of the legacy stuff. But also, like I came to it where with already this pretty developed language there, you know, people make fun of it, but the reality is like this pretty developed language there. I didn't have to be a part of all these discussions with it, you know, early on or even now. Like now, these discussions still happen. I just ignore them. Um, you know, and I just I just check about once a year to see what's new in PHP X, and that's fine. That's all I really need. And the language itself, like when you're writing in PHP or Ruby, the language itself is is simple enough that that it's only basically it only gets complicated if you make it complicated in your code. And I and I think what we see from Swift now is the language. First of all, I think just is more complicated in general than than what we what we're used to regardless of how simple your code is. But we're also seeing these arguments happening in real time in, the, in this very early stage of the language where we're seeing people argue about really obscure, advanced behaviors that we, in our Swift applications, might never use or might not need to know about or might not care about for a while until we become advanced Swift developers like down the road. Uh, so I think part of your concern with, with Swift in particular is justified, but part of it's also just because of the the state the language is in developmentally and the circles we run in with people who are very smart arguing about very advanced things about its language. Yeah, and I think one thing that I've definitely run into a lot with Swift that makes, that compounds this kind of, this feeling of inadequacy or whatever to to, to write it is, I feel like Swift is a kind of a language that has a certain amount of like inherent correctness to it. 
Um, and by that, I mean, it seems like a language that if you are just like, if you write Swift the right way, um, it's like this beautiful, elegant poetry that just like can incredibly, you know, encapsulate com- complex interactions or does, you know, designs in a really concise, clever, clear way. But if you don't, um, it kind of is punishing to you. Like I found this, I mean, it's something that I still struggle with when I, I mean, I've only really, I'm still only working on my first Swift project and it's taking a lot longer than I thought it would take partly because I'm dealing with these kind of complicated um, feelings and situations. But like, I feel like I'm constantly being punished by the compiler where it's like, I'm write something that is sort of valid in, in, in the sense that like it is, I'm clearly describing what I think I would like my application to do. Um, but Swift has all of these safeguards and mechanisms and you have this concept of optionality. And if you don't write it all out correctly, you get all these warnings and compiler messages that it's like, Oh no, 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 you're using a variable there. That variable could, could, or could not be nil. What are you going to do? And you have to keep it sort of, if you aren't good at it, it feels slightly punishing. And if, but it's so it's, I really struggle with like this tension between there's these very sort of more esoteric language features and structures that I keep feeling like, well, maybe if I just understood how that works, I could avoid all of this problem and just kind of get into the flow of it. And certainly some of it is just having more experience. Um, but it's a tricky language, whereas I feel like in Objective-C, you know, it's like if you, you can write almost anything you want, and as long as it's syntactically correct, it'll compile and run, and whether or not it works is, you know, up to you. Whereas Swift has more opinions about your code and lets, you know, which you could argue would make it better, right? Like there's fewer mistakes that you are going to be able to write in Swift because it just won't let you. Like it just, it, you know, all these things that in Objective C would probably come up as if you did the build and analyze um, on your project, it would all the, give you all these warnings like, oh, you know, here you're using a variable that you never initiated or things like that. Like Swift just won't let you do that, period. Um, but it can feel kind of this punishing cycle that makes me feel like, oh no, I need to be more academic. I need to be more correct. Um, but learning how to be more correct and be more academic, um, is a rough, you know, is a rough chasm to cross, especially coming from a world of objective C where that just wasn't the case. And you could write objective C in that kind of way, I imagine. Um, but that's not the way that I wrote objective C. So (laughs) it feels awkward as a result. Yeah. I mean, like, like, you know, to give one example, uh, last night I, I wrote a, a division statement, and one of the uh, operands was a large integer. I think it was a 64-bit integer. And the other one was a double. And I'm writing this in Objective-C. And I know that I should probably do a cast on one of them to to ensure that it does whether whether I wanted an integer division or floating-point division. Uh, I, you know, I, I as a programmer, I should explicitly choose which one of those I want and explicitly cast them so that it works. But I didn't. Because I'm like, you know what? It actually doesn't matter. That like the if it does it as an integer, it will. If it does both as integers, it'll still give the result I want, given the values I expect these to have. So it doesn't matter. So I just didn't specify, and it'll it, it'll do one or the other. And I don't I don't know which one because I don't you know I didn't I don't know the, I don't know the precedence rules well enough. But it'll be fine, and uh, it, it'll work just fine in Swift. 
I I don't know Swift well enough to know whether it would yell at me for that, but I think it would, right? It will. Yeah. So <laughs> absolutely, it will. I've I run into this many times when I try and do work in core graphics. Yes. <laughs> and so you have a CG floats and regular floats and doubles, and like even though they're sort of the same thing, but you have to cast back and forth between them if you're moving, and you know it, it absolutely would say no, 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 no. You need to tell me exactly what you want to have, to have happen here. Right. And and so like you can totally see the value of that. Like that makes sense when you're writing lots of different kinds. Like basically, my argument in my mind when I when I didn't pick one of these was, you know what? Either way, it's either way it'll be fine. Either way, it'll do what it, do what I wanted to do. So it doesn't matter. But that kind of thinking can often lead to bugs down the road if you if you do if you think that way or you make assumptions in places where it does matter and where where these these things might be different or might might do things you don't expect or you might get values in there that behave differently that cause really hard to find bugs that that you didn't really plan for so swift kind of forces you to plan for that but it forces you to always plan for that with every single thing you write. And, and I think the reality in, in, in the, the real world of software development is that oftentimes you're writing software where not only does it not matter whether you pick the right thing here, but you don't, even, you don't have the time to spend on it to be that formal about it. Yeah. And I think, too, one thing that I've noticed in myself as I've run into this kind of process, that I, that development feels harder. And the nature of learning and, like, the nature of learning something new and the nature of, in this case, like, learn picking up Swift, for example, is, like, it's always going to feel harder. And, like, it's almost certainly is this kind of this kind of hill that you have to climb, that it's harder, harder, harder. And then at a certain point, you kind of fall down the other side. And it's like, oh, great. Now it's easy again. Um, but climbing that hill is a really hard thing to do and i mean because certainly i'm not really going to get into the questions of like is it worth doing is it justified the time and effort but moreover what i've noticed in myself that i think that i wanted to kind of unpack is whenever i encounter something and that you know this is in this case it's swift but sometimes just as easily it could be a new framework it could be a new uh, platform it could be you know a new thing like a the apple watch or the ipad like whenever i encounter something that i find difficult i know for myself my instinct is unfortunately to start avoiding it, to start finding, like, it is amazing, and I'm probably not alone in this, that a developer's ability to find work that feels vaguely productive, <laughs> that they can do instead of doing the thing that's hard, that they know they should do, but don't actually kind of want to do, like, it is amazing, the projects and the little <laughs> tasks, and, oh, maybe if I write this little script to automate this thing that I'm doing once every six months, like, that seems totally reasonable use of my time, when, in reality, all I'm doing is saying, like, I don't want to deal with this because of how it makes me feel is the reality. Like if I kind of unpack it three levels, it's like, I don't like it. I don't like feeling doing difficult things. And so I'm instead not going to do anything. And I'm just going to kind of avoid the problem and hope that it goes away, I suppose, like somehow the code's going to write itself. But that pattern is something that I see in myself that I really wish that I was able to change um, and is something that is a real struggle, I feel like, for really getting into that learning process of really getting better at something and getting over that hump um, is forcing yourself to say like, no, I'm a grown up. I can do this. I need to buckle down and just work through the hard part to get to the part that I know will eventually become easy and you know, hopefully be worthwhile at the end. We're sponsored this week by Braintree. Go to braintreepayments.com slash radar to learn more. 
Why make payment integration more difficult than it has to be? Braintree's powerful full-stack payment platform allows you to accept nearly any type of payment from any device with just one integration. It's flexible to your system's needs and supports most languages. So whether you're using Java, Ruby, or Python, you'll always have a range of server-side and client-side SDKs available. The Braintree code also supports Android, iOS, and JavaScript clients, and it takes just 10 lines of code to implement. Braintree makes payments and your job as as the developer of these payments a whole lot easier. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash radar. Thanks to Braintree for sponsoring our show. So the last area that I seems like it might be a helpful thing to talk about is when you and I are learning things, how we actually go about doing that, um, kind of unpacking <laughs> begrudgingly. the mechanics. Yeah. Other than begrudgingly, um, how the actual tools and methods that we found um, to be most helpful. Uh, and I'll start off by saying one thing that I have always found to be the most helpful when I'm trying to learn something is to f- have a reason to do it. If I have some kind of project that I'm motivated about, that I'm interested in, something that will practice, like I can feel a sense of accomplishment while I do things. Like I've never been somebody who can get a book, sit down, read it, and then have learned something as a result. Like I have to be much more practical than that. And I have to have something that I'm doing to build it. Like when I wanted to learn objective C, you know, this is back eight years ago, I guess, like I made a tip calculator. I remember, and I made it while I was on vacation with my family at the beach and I don't really like the beach so much. And so I, it was a thing for me to do at back in my room when other people were down at the beach. And that's how I learned objective C is I found this practical thing and I just sat there and I worked at it until it works. But I felt like it was nice that at the you know at the end of the day I could show myself like, hey, I built something. I felt that this was cool. Um, and for me I found that to be always the most helpful. Like to try and as, as soon as you can get into Xcode, as soon as you can the sooner you can get into actually doing something rather than keeping it kind of up in the more esoteric realms, um, the better. Like that's for me the best way to start learning is to just actually start building something. Um, and then beyond that, I find that the best way to really understand something is to start trying to expose yourself um, tangentially to other people who are better at it than you are. And back in the Objective C days, I did this by going to a local NS Coder night where I used to go like once a week and I would go and listen and just kind of hang out with people who are really good at Objective C, people who'd been Mac developers for years. And, you know, there's something always kind of powerful about just the almost like the like learning from osmosis where you just kind of hang out with people and you have conversations about stuff and you learn a lot from that. And I find that's a lot less scary. That was a lot less intimidating than, you know, sitting down with like uh, Aaron Hillengas's book and being like, okay, chapter one, this is how this works. Chapter two, this is how this works. Like you kind of build up that way. And then to, uh, lastly, and this is something that I've been starting to do with Swift is trying to find like alternative mediums that I can use. So like I've started to listen to Swift podcasts and like my favorite one for that is the runtime podcast. Um, with Sam Sofas and Caleb, Caleb Davenport, which is a great, like, they talk about Swift stuff, but they don't talk about it in a way that is scary to me or academic. Like, they're very practical about it. They're very pragmatic. Or I like watching the videos, uh, the Swift Talk videos on OBJC, um, which is a really, like, again, it's like a different mechanism and a different medium to get that information into my brain. And kind of, I feel like it's 
learning in general tends to have this process for me where I want to expose myself to a lot of information um, in a sl- in a slightly systematic and a slightly structured way, um, and then by exposing myself to have a broader breadth of under like of, of just like vague bits and pieces, then when I know when I encounter a situation that like, huh, this sounds like that thing that I remember so and so talking about, and I can go and look it up and then sort of pull that in. It's much easier for me to do have that like start building that vague tool set in a way that in Objective C, for example, I do that now by huh, I remember building an application back you know three years ago that kind of did the same thing. I wonder how I solved that problem then, and I can go and open my open that project and find the you know find the function and kind of look at it and be like yeah yeah that that's totally the way to do it. Um, but without having a broad base of existing code to do, it's like I can kind of do. It, create a proxy for that by just exposing myself as broadly as I can. What what do you do when you're trying to learn something new? Like what approaches do you take? Well, first I, I love that you really, you learn objective C as a procrastination work item to avoid learning how to light the beach. Yeah, that's true. That's amazing. Uh, and now I'm learning <laughs> swift to uh, avoid writing objective C, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm pretty much just like you. I, I really am kind of um, task driven in the sense that like, I too like need a project to make with technique or language or API X. Like if I don't have a project in mind that I that I'm motivated to make exist in some way, uh, then I generally don't learn new things, and that's probably not a good thing. You know, I, I should probably fix that in my personality. But you know, we are who we are. That's probably not going to happen. So uh, yeah, you know, I I learn Objective C. A while back, like like you know, before anybody knew who I was, like you know, I, I learned it to make a couple of little like hobby programs here to like play with simple stuff like the Mac speech recognizer. But then I really didn't know much of it until I had to, or until I was motivated to make an Instapaper app for the newly announced iPhone SDK uh, in two thousand eight, and. So that's what I did, uh, and I learned it just as I went. And on, along the way, I learned UIKit, I learned SQLite, you know, I learned all sorts of stuff as needed along the way. Um, same thing with web development. You know, I, I really, I didn't do anything really with learning stuff for the web besides just basic fooling around until I wanted to make my own site and then make web apps and then things like that. And I, I think that's how I learned from there. Uh, more recently, more specific things. You know, I learned a lot about core audio because. As I, you know, I had this feature in Overcast that I that, that I wanted to exist, the Smart Speed feature before it was even called Overcast, and uh, and it wasn't easy or possible to do it without learning this new API and set of technologies. So I learned them as I went, and I I had this project, and I, and I just kind of plowed through. Uh, usually, I don't do a lot of book reading. Sometimes I'll, I'll occasionally read like uh, an academic paper uh, to get like a certain algorithm, uh, that, that I might need, but usually that's not going on. Usually I don't do things that even need that kind of advanced algorithm. Um, you know, as most of us, I think most of our work involves pretty mundane things, just doing it in certain orders. And, uh, yeah, so I basically just learn things as I go and, and as needed. Uh, and it's usually through lots of just trial and error, reading documentation, uh, doing web searches that usually let me on Stack Overflow. I mean, my God, do you remember how bad it was before Stack Overflow? It's, 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 it's a scary thing to remember. Just <laughs> I don't know how I, how we wrote anything without. It, yeah, it's like Stack how do we how do we use computers before there was a mouse, right? Like how do we program before there was Stack Overflow? <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. And and one of the reasons why I have trouble learning new things. Uh, f- just kind of, kind of for the sake of it, like learning Swift when I already know Objective C, is that 
it doesn't have that same kind of driving motivation behind it. Like, it, I, I'm not motivated to replace a language or a tool set that I already know with something that does the same things approximately. And, like, and it, it, it might do those things differently. But whatever it is that, that a lot of people have that makes them like curious and driven about new things and new frameworks and new technologies and new languages, I don't have that in me. Like I, I'm not motivated to learn something simply because it is a new way to do something uh, that, that I'm already doing. Like To me, it's like, well, I don't need to learn Ruby because I already know PHP, and then PHP solves all my web backend needs so well that I don't like that Ruby tends to solve that same set of problems and I, I already have a tool that does that so I don't need to learn that what I would rather do is, is learn a whole new kind of tool with you know whatever whatever like my my time and mental budget is for learning new things I'd rather go for breadth of like types of tools or types of APIs rather than going really deep in one area it's like I'm going to learn all the web languages and then figure out which web language is the best web language like I even though that's how I review that's that's how I review headphones but that is that is not <laughs> that's not how I how I learn uh programming languages and stuff because w- once I have a certain problem solved I'm I'm not motivated to go try to resolve it I'd rather go like get really good at that tool as good as I can possibly be at that tool become a real expert at that and then also develop entirely new tools that do entirely different things yeah, and I think that's an entirely reasonable approach, but it is an awkward thing. And it sounds like I wonder if you've run into something that I've run. I've start as I've been struggling with learning. I've started to also. It makes me think in a weird way of how sometimes I joke that being uh, self-employed and being independent has made me kind of unemployable. <laughs> um, like I, because I've been working so long outside of the world of like an actual office job that I sometimes worry that if I ever needed to or wanted to go back to that world that I would struggle like genuinely it would be difficult for me to do not just like haha you know you have to fill in your TPS report it's like no no it would actually be a hard thing to do at an effective level and it's been making me wonder as, I, as I've been struggling with learning too is some of this is I think for a long time I stopped I kind of got to a point with my development where I stopped. I was like, okay, I sort of like, I know enough. And I just sort of stopped learning new stuff. And that part of like the skill and the actual practice of learning and of actually getting better at something, I feel like I, I didn't do just for years, honestly. Um, I was like, I'm good enough at Objective-C every year, like something new will come out that I have to adapt to inside of it. But by and large, I didn't have to exercise those muscles. I didn't have to do that work. And I think as a result, it's making it harder now. And I'm trying to, at this point, keep in mind that if this is, you know, this is inevitably going to be a part of my career going forward. And while, like you say, like I'm the same way, like I hate learning something like for no reason, like, and obviously the same, like there's no reason to learn Swift, but like I, it's that feeling of like, if I don't have a strong, like intrinsic reason that like, I just have to do this, the, to push me, it's a really hard thing to do. Um, but in, I'm also keeping in the back of my mind that this is a skill like anything else that if I practice it, if I do more of it, it will probably get easier. Um, and the longer that I let um, the skill of learning, the skill of getting better, you know, there was a time when I went to college and while, you know, college was a, a, a different kind of thing, like I was really good at taking in information and then, uh, sort of organizing it in my you know my head and putting it out on a test like I had developed that skill 
um, to a point that now I kind of have lost that skill. Um, and so I worry about letting it fall too fallow. And maybe there's something that I'm trying to take for myself now of that in, or if, I, if this is inevitably going to keep happening in my career, that new things are going to come around to learn. And if I want to be able to stay current and relevant, I'm probably going to have to have a better sense of the skill of learning and just keep practicing. And honest, I'm sure that's going to take more discipline than I have. And that's awkward. But if I don't, not at least not aware of that as a problem, I kind of worry that I'm just going to keep getting more and more stuck in my ways and struggle to find my way out. You're making a frustratingly good case for me finally learning Swift. <laughs> I know, right? Thanks a lot. No, I mean, like, you know, you, 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 could look at, you could look at it the other way, and you could say, like, you know, certain problems we've kind of moved up the stack from, and we don't need to relearn. Like, we don't need to relearn different keyboard layouts. We figured out one, it's good enough, and now we move on to higher-level problems. You know, you, you figured out Objective-C forever ago, and you've spent, you, you haven't spent the last X years not learning it. You, you're not learning anything. You spent the last X years learning APIs and frameworks and app development and structures of your, of your code and, and business sides of things, all these other skills that you need. So it's not necessarily that you're learning nothing new. It's that you're learning things at different levels now and in different directions than changing the language itself. And that's not to say that you should never learn a new language. But I think it's also not it's, – it's, it's important to not discount – you actually are doing lots of learning of new things, just not on that front. You've moved, you've moved to the side and moved up from there. But and I think you're probably right, though, that we probably should still learn Swift. Yeah, because I think, and if anything, it's because it's difficult, because it's hard, and because yeah. like working our way through that, I think will make us better developers, and in weird way, like better people. Like it, it's a good thing to stretch ourselves, and so <laughs> we face the adversity of learning Swift. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> as difficult as that is, and as kind of foolish and stupid as it makes me feel sometimes, it's ultimately probably the right thing to do. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.